Gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha M Podcast. Wherever you are right now listening to this, I want to thank you for your support. In this podcast, you'll get my views on lifestyle, self-improvement, and business, all in an aim to unlocking your confidence and helping you feel the best you can every day of your life. Also, at any time during this podcast or if any of my videos have helped you in the past, please feel free to leave a rating and a review on the platform you're listening to this. Five stars, of course, would be awesome, but I'll leave that up to you. Every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. So lock in and enjoy today's episode. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Alpha M Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Ryan Mickler here. Ryan and I go back to 2015 uh, when I met Ryan at the first official like Atlanta Menfluential Conference. And this was actually prior to you doing what you're doing now. And since then, I've gotten to know Ryan a lot better. Uh, Ryan has been a speaker at the conference quite a few times. Every time he gets up and tells his story, there's not a dry eye in the place because it's a very emotional and a very powerful sort of message. And your story, I absolutely love. But before we get into that, Ryan, just want to give the audience a little bit more information about you. Ryan Mickler, husband, father, badass podcaster that's talked to all sorts of amazingly badass dudes, which we'll get into a little bit later. You're also the founder of Order of Man. You've got the Iron Council. You have 168,000 subscribers on YouTube, and basically you're just kicking ass. Not to mention, one more thing, let's throw something else in there. The author Keep going. Of, Keep going. The author of Sovereignty. Uh, hold on, I, I thought I could remember it. It's uh, the battle of the hearts and minds of men, right? How'd I do? That, you did excellent. That was amazing. Pretty good. Amazing. I, I, only yeah. had the, I only had to get glance at the, uh, the title of the, of the book. <laughs> so here's the deal. Ryan, your story is so amazing. I would really love to sort of get your, your, your story. Like, tell us a little bit about how you went from, you know, you're, you're a war veteran from Iraq. You're in Iraq. You're a war veteran. Right. You're a financial advisor and financial planner advisor, right? Similar. Yeah. F financial Eric advisor Bandholz. is the term I use, but yeah, very similar. And then you sort of had an epiphany, or I should say like a life adjustment where everything kind of changed for you. And so tell everybody a little bit about your story. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll fast forward and talk about the financial planning stuff because I, I was I was fairly new in our, in our marriage. Um, my wife and I got married two months into it. No, sorry, six months into it. I left for Iraq, came back. You know, we struggled to figure things out and get back together. And then we kind of got back into life and we had a kid and I was trying to grow my business, which was the financial planning practice at the time. And man, I was just struggling. Like I was floundering, trying to figure out how do I grow a business? How do I lead my wife? I've got a one-year-old kid now. How do I be a dad? I didn't have any of that when I was growing up. So it was, uh, that's where I realized there was a lot lacking in my childhood from a, from a, a masculinity perspective and a, and a father figure perspective. Uh, my wife and I, we actually ended up at that time going through a separation, uh, which was, which was very, very difficult for me. Um, and, and I had a lot of animosity towards her initially. Like, how could she do this? Why would she do this to me? Why was she being disloyal? Why didn't she appreciate it? What I was doing for the family. Uh, and I, I had to mature like pretty quickly in that time. Cause I didn't want the relationship to be over. So I, I remember the road I was on. I came to this conclusion that, you know what, right? Like maybe you actually have a part to play in the demise of your relationship. Uh, and I, and I started to take a lot of responsibility for it. And I'm not going to say she didn't have things that she needed to work on. She did. And she would tell you that, but, uh, 
I just started working on myself. You know, I, I, I started surrounding myself with better people. Um, I brought some mentors on in my financial planning practice that was struggling at the time. And through those efforts, I, I just started feeling better. I don't know how to describe it other than I just started feeling better about who I was. And that, well, you, when you start to work on your inside, which is what I did, that became noticeable to her and I became more attractive to her naturally, right? I, not only did I become, I become more attractive to her, but more attractive to even clients. You know, they could see it, they could feel it. So it's palpable when a man improves himself. And, and long story short, we ended up salvaging our marriage, uh, which was great. She, she moved home, had my son back with me. We've been married uh, 16 years now at this point. Uh, this was about, man, time flies. 11, does, man. 11 years. Yeah. 11 years uh, ago is, is when we went through our separation. Uh, so I'm, so I'm, now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I'm doing the financial planning thing and it's going well and I've built a business and I'm having success and I just, I just got bored. Like I, I just kind of felt like, I don't want to say dead inside, but I just felt so like, I felt like everything was monotonous and just gray. My clients would call me and I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. Yeah, yeah. We've all been there, I think to some degree. And I'm like, I got to do something different. And I had started a podcast for my financial planning practice. And I realized very quickly, I love the medium of podcasting, uh, but I didn't want to continue to have that conversation. So I had seen what you guys, you and uh, 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 Tanner Guzzi and Eric Bandholtz and Antonio, all these guys, right? Brett McKay. And I'm like, man, this is exciting. Like these guys are using this new digital medium and they're sharing stuff that's important and valuable to them. I think I have something to share. And that's actually when I came out to Menfluential. Yeah. And it was right. I think it was, it was maybe like a week or two after I had launched. Wow. And I actually attribute a lot of our early success to you and the guys who supported me at that event. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's funny because it was, it was very, very interesting and it was amazing to watch your evolution from the first time you came in 2015 to where you ended up like the, the next year you were there speaking to, to the yeah. audience. And it was, it was hands down. Everybody really just would come up to us and say, Hey, you got to get Ryan back. That was amazing. His, his speech was, you know, incredible. It was impactful. It was powerful. And I think there was a lot, there was a lot of similarities in the sense of, of the reason why we started that conference was really just to connect with, with other guys that were sort of just wanting to be better and, and just, you know, just, just connect with them. And I think that that was something that for me, I know it was so lonely being an entrepreneur online. And, and, you know, I didn't have the same goals, the same mindset as a lot of people that I was surrounding myself with at that time. And so when we ended up coming and, and meeting all these amazing people, it sort of, it was like, all of a sudden, like, it's like, I could see clear everything like smelled better and I could taste things yes. more clearly just because I was around people that got it. And I, I developed, you know, amazing friendships and relationships. And so to see you sort of go from, you know, just starting to what you've built and what you've become in this industry is just amazing because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk a lot of shit right? A lot of people will be like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do yes. this. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. You actually did it and you didn't just <laughs> do it. You did it really well. And you basically threw it all out there. What was, I mean, you've, you're, I, I think 
if I were to sum up Order of Man, because Order of Man is, is a community that you've built, more than just a podcast, more than right. a website, it's a community. What would you say is, is, see, to me, when I look at your community and what you're doing, it's about accountability. Mm. That is, is probably, I would say, the word that sort of, when I look at all of the things that you're doing, you know, it's about accountability and it's about betterment um, and, and being a man. And so why did you feel that there was such a need for this sort of platform and this, this, this advice that, or this, I don't know that it's advice, or would you say it's more of just a, 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 you're a resource that is helping to connect the dots for men? I think that's a good way to look at it is, is the resource. If we can have conversations, if we can put programs out there, make courses available, set up pockets and memberships for guys to get together and I can facilitate that, that's what I look at it as, as my job. The reason I did it is, and I go back to that separation, man. When my wife left that night, that evening, and I came back the next day to try to salvage that and she's like, no, I'm out of here, it's too late. I had nobody, literally nobody, my mom, like that's all I could turn to. And you know what? That was my own doing because when I got married, I, I forsaked all of my friends. I let go of all my hobbies and my activities and my interests. And it was all dedicated to her. And I wrapped up my identity in almost, it sounds really strange, but in being her husband. And that was a pitfall for me because I let everything else go. And so man, I was lonely. Like you said, I was lonely. Like I had these things that I was dealing with. My wife's gone, my kid's gone. I don't have anybody to turn to. And I realized through that growth and through bringing mentors on and trying to find new friends and develop those relationships that that was the missing piece. Cause these were guys who were going to hold me accountable. They were going to hold me to task. They were going to tell me the things that needed to be said, even though I didn't probably want to hear them at that point. And as I started talking about this, I realized a lot of the guys that I was talking with were experiencing or had experienced very similar things. And now doing this over five years now, looking and hearing what these guys are going through, they're saying the same thing that I said when I went through that separation with my wife. I it's feel powerful. Lost. It is. It's, and it, I wish I could say, look, I, we've done some things right. I, I feel like I've got an important message. I feel like I can communicate it well. Those are the things that I have going for me in my favor. But I also feel a large percentage of it was we just hit on a message that was relevant and pertinent. And then even more as we continue to go and we see civil unrest and we see a lot of weird things happening in society, it just becomes more and more relevant. So a lot of it was just good timing. You yeah. know? What do you think the current state of affairs are or is for, uh, for, for men in, uh, in the time in which we live? Do you think we're searching? Do you think that a lot of men are, are lost? What is, what is your analysis of, of the current state of masculinity? Yeah, you're, I think you said it perfectly. A lot of men are lost. Um, and, and a big part of this is because, honestly, it takes a man to make a man. You, like there's, there's Explain no that way. a little bit to the audience. What do, what do you mean? So people ask me, like, okay, well, what, what, what does it mean to be a man? And occasionally they'll say, well, what gives you the right to talk about what that means? Yeah, on social media, we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> so keep, I'm sure we'll get right. to that. You don't, you, you don't just become a man, all right? We've got a bunch of adult males running around. And so some people will say, well, biology makes you a man. No, that's, I mean, that's a prerequisite, certainly. But it isn't the only thing because I look at my three boys. I've got three boys. I've got a little girl as well. I look at my sons, they've got the biology, they're male, but they're not men. 
we don't and we don't even expect them to be right so so it's something more there's accountability there's responsibility there's ownership there's maturity there's service to other people these are all components of what it actually means to be a man and so it has little to do with age and more to do with uh, a male's ability to step into these callings so when i say it takes a man to make a man you don't just figure this stuff out on your own it's like lord of the flies right like these kids like i mean and we're seeing that actually play out in real life right now lord of the flies we're seeing a a, a grown <laughs> males acting like little boys no responsibility no accountability ultra violent they can't rein it in no level of maturity because nobody showed them how to be a man and so that's the current state of affairs and guess what it's only going to get worse we hear a lot about the fatherless generation right there's more and more children who are being born out of wedlock who don't have dad around for whatever reason and we think that somehow like society is just going to get better because dad is not around no it's actually going to get a whole lot worse until we as men learn first how to be men and how to turn around and help the youth become men you talk a little bit about stepping up fully as a man right it's one of the things that you say what is what does that mean well, it says it on my hat right here. The, the focus is kind of weird, but I, I talk about the core tenets of masculinity as being a protector, a provider, and a presider. So your ability to protect yourself, your loved ones, and those who are incapable of protecting themselves to provide not only for you, but to become a producer in society, which means that you produce more than you consume. So not only can I take care of myself, now I... I I've become valuable enough where I can now take care of my wife and my children and my community members, and I can donate to charity and I've got enough value to grow a business and that will serve thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And then the, the last uh, tenet is to uh, preside, which is synonymous with leadership, stepping into that leadership role, uh, embracing it fully, doing it with a, ser uh, a servant. Uh, attitude, wanting to provide value and serve other people, and then developing the skill sets to be able to do it effectively. So talk a little bit about your business, Ryan, because that's something that, that fascinates me. I'm an entrepreneur at my, at my core. And to see what you have built through sort of this idea of, you know, helping other men sort of reclaim their, their identity. And talk a little bit about, about the structure of your business, because you've got multiple factors and facets. And so part of the the, the, the podcast is, is about, you know, helping entrepreneurs that are, that are on their journey, right? Your journey yeah. started, you know, before I, I met you, but you know, where it has gotten in five years is, is dramatic. The fact that your podcast is, is one of the top podcasts. You're talking to people that, you know, I am, and, and let me just ask you this real quick, your podcast, right? You've talked to, you know, the who's who of, 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 of dudes out there, right? Just amazing men. Um, did you ever get nervous talking to any of them? Were you ever like a little bit starstruck or because yeah. a lot of these guys you, you've seen, you know, you've heard, you know, for, for years, read their books, you know, who, right. who has been the most like kind of nerve wracking interview that you've done? There's, there's three that stand out to me. So Jocko, the first time I ever sat down <laughs> with Jocko, say. Yep. he was the, and he's not, not only that he's, he, at the time he's much better now. At the time, he was one of the most difficult people to interview because I would ask him a question and I'm like, hey, you know, so like if somebody's trying to figure out their life, what should they do? He's like, you just do it, 
<laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, great. Next do question. you care to elaborate? And he's like, no, you just do it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be rough. And I had a whole level of respect for him and everything else. So he was tough. Yeah. Uh, then David Goggins was tough. And I actually met with David Goggins in person. So I went I saw to that. Yep. in Las Vegas, just an incredible human being, very friendly, very gracious, invited me into his hotel room. His wife was there. She was not just a wonderful human being, but man, I had played him up. Like he was something that just was untouchable. <laughs> so that was tough. I did that one to myself. And you know, the, it, this one is, this one's very interesting. Ted Nugent was tough because he is a large, regardless of what you feel about Ted Nugent, yeah, yeah. larger than life will dominate any conversation can very easily go completely off the rails. I knew all this going into it. Smart guy too. Smart very intelligent. Yeah. Most people don't know that they think he's kind of an idiot and he's just crazy. He's very hyper intelligent. That's it. And, and that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so those yeah. three, if there was a podcast before we get into your business, if there was one podcast that you would say, if, if our audience wanted to go and sort of get immersed in your, your, or introduced to sort of your style and, and the, the conversations that you're having, is there one podcast specifically that you would say really best represents what you're doing, what you're talking about and sort of the essence of order of man? Um, I don't know if there's just one that's like, this is what we do, but I think in any of the conversations that you hear, we do three podcasts a week. So I would say it'd be either one of our interview shows or my Friday show, which is me just riffing. The Friday show is a monologue show. So I'm just riffing on whatever topic might be relevant at the time. Um, I, I just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Andy Frisilla. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yep. uh, man, him and I had just, I was in St. Louis and sat down with him and uh, him and I just had an incredible, incredible conversation. So if you want to go back and listen to an interview, that one is a couple of weeks ago and it was very, very powerful. All right, Ryan. So you have built um, a very successful business from from this passion and from this this um, I don't know. Would you say it's a calling at this point? I mean, it obviously, uh, that, that's the right word. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Calling. I don't talk too much about like the spiritual component of my life. I am spiritual. I'm religious. Um, I don't talk about it that much for a reason. We can get into that if you want. But uh, but yeah, it's I, I'm I'm called. I'm compelled to do this. There's a reason I'm doing this, and everything okay. in my life has led me to this point. Okay. So talk a little bit about, you know, how you take something that you're called to do or something that you have a passion and build this, this wildly successful, you know, sort of empire, I'll call it just because you've got so many different facets to your business. But if you could sort of talk a little bit about, you know, what is the, what is the structure of your businesses in terms of where do you make your revenue and how do you support yourself, your family or community and have the ability to donate to charity? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to, to what you said about calling. I didn't know it was a calling when I started. And I think, I think aspiring entrepreneurs need to know that because sometimes we tend to believe that if it's meant to be, then everything's just going to miraculously open up for us and all the opportunities are going to present themselves and it's just going to be amazing. And it wasn't like that when I started. I had a lot of early success, yes, but I didn't know how impactful and meaningful this work would be. I was just interested in it. That's it. I was like that sounds interesting. I'm going to take one step into that. And I took one step and then the next step and I came to the comp to Menfluential, right? And then the next step was, uh, you know, launch the podcast. And then the next step was do this. And so I just did it in steps, not really knowing that this was a calling, but I feel like as much as I feel called to do the work, I also created it. 
Like I created something that I like, something that I needed and something that I wanted. So I think we need to understand that as entrepreneurs. Uh, as far as the revenue model, initially I was going to start with advertising, similar to what uh, Brett McKay with Art of Manliness was doing at the time. And I realized he's way better at that than me. He's way out ahead of the game. The guy is just extremely intelligent and, and does it completely different. And no knock on what he's doing because it's wonderful. I just wasn't interested in doing that route. No. And plus so, you need, you need, you, in order to make money at that, you need just insane views and page yes. views. And, and I mean, yes. you need to have an established brand. And Brett was, I mean, he was, I mean, that the art of manliness is one of the, I mean, he was the, he was the first, honestly, yes, in terms of no that doubt. realm. And so he, you know, had, and, and that's how Antonio got started was writing for, for Brett. And yeah, um, right. yeah and Brett, Brett's a really, really interesting guy. Uh, but go on. So, so that wasn't yep. your, your strategy. That wasn't where you, uh, yeah. you were going to take it. So uh, I was listening to a podcast. I, I want to say it was uh, Pat Flynn's podcast and he had had a guest on and the guy was saying, you know, you should, you should really consider doing a course. I'm like, okay, a course. Like, what would that even look like? We'd, get, we'd been going for maybe seven or eight months at that point, a thousand people or so in our Facebook group, something like that. And my wife came to me one day and she's like, hey, you know, I really appreciate that you're doing this order of man thing. You seem happy and excited about it, but it's actually detracting from your work, your job, and it's impacting household income, which was totally true. And at so this point like, you were still, you were still doing, the, still financial doing the financial planning. planning. Okay. Yeah. So she said to me, she's like, you probably ought to figure out a way to make money. Like if you want it to be a business or scale back and it's just a hobby. I'm like, I'm not, if anything, I'm doubling down on this thing. So I listened to this podcast and the guy who, who was on said, you know, start a course. So I put together, that's not the right word. I sold a 12 week course without having anything put together. So I went to my Facebook guys. There's a thousand people. Hey guys, like, buy it now and I'll figure this out, right? I'll okay, figure go it out. On. Of course I didn't say that, right? <laughs> I said, okay, just, I'm going to do this. Here's like a rough idea of what it's going to be. It was like a hundred bucks for 90 days. I'm going to have 12 of you in this thing. And I just stayed out ahead of it one week at a time, just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And overnight, 12 guys signed up. I, in fact, our very first member, Mark Gablowski. You know Mark, don't you? Yep, yep, yep. I Mark do. is our very <laughs> member number one. And he sent me an email. This was probably last year. He sent me an email and he was like, hey, here's the email that you sent me when I signed up for the Iron Council. And it was like, hey, oh, I really, awesome. you're the second person. It was just me. And now there's two of us. And, and it was really cool that he sent me that email. That is awesome. But you also yeah. realized, man, I didn't charge enough if, if I built up that it. quick. <laughs> but I didn't know. I'm like, what, how would you know, right? How much you did you charge when you, when you started that? How much it was, was 100 how bucks. Much, 100 bucks? Okay. Yeah. So you made 1,200 bucks for a uh, 12-week course? Was that what it was? Yep. 12 weeks. Okay. And, and the thing that I learned, obviously I didn't make any money doing it. But the thing that I learned was, oh, you can make money doing this. And that was the trigger for me. And I'm, I, I have no qualms and, I'm, and I make no apologies about this being a business and it being very lucrative while simultaneously providing an immense value to the people I'm trying to serve. No problem with that whatsoever. Entrepreneurs need to wrap their heads around that. That is, and that is something that a lot of people, I mean, it's almost, you know, there's, cert, there's, a cert, there's certain people that when you hear the word profit, they think it's a dirty word. And if that is yes. you, you have no business being in business because it's not. You can still, you know, have, you make money and there's nothing wrong with making money as long as you're not, you know, selling out or, or, or 
you know, doing it in a manner that, that, you know, is, is shady, but, uh, but anyway, right. so, so go on. So the first sort of iteration, so we get, 12 members, yeah. 12 weeks. So I call it the iron council. I'm like, all right, it's called the iron council. Um, we get 60 days into it. The guys are like, Hey, this program's awesome. What's next? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't didn't even know you guys were going to finish this with me. <laughs> I have no idea what's next. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, here's what we'll do. We'll just open this up. You know, we'll just like permanently open this up and uh, we'll just have guys come in when they want to come in. They can leave when they want to leave and we'll just continue to do topics. And we, we got, so we opened it up and this was, I think January of 2016. So I had been doing this for about, well, I started in March. So, you know, eight, nine months or so. And, uh, we got up to 80 members, like almost overnight, like super quick. And within six months, I'm like, okay, I'm out of the financial planning business. Eventually went on to sell that business. Uh, and there's been a lot of iterations, but our primary model of revenue is from the iron council. Now we're up over just over 700 members of the iron council at this point. Um, then along the way, we brought on other things like merchandise and, and we started doing live events because I'm, I woke up one morning. This is a good story right here. I woke up one more, uh, one in the middle of the night and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool to have like 10 guys come like out here to Southern Utah and we'll just have a man's weekend. And, and you and I have done that with some of the guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very, very similar concept. This was about you, you pro- we, we probably had better cell phone service than, than, <laughs> than you did where, where you for were sure. <laughs> for sure. So I'm like, all right, here's what I'm So I wrote it down. I remember I had a field notes journal on the side of my bed. I wrote it down. I went back to sleep the next morning. I woke up, I was still all hopped up on it. And I started doing some research in cabins in the mountains of Southern Utah. I found one, called the guy. I'm like, here's the dates I'm thinking, uh, let's do it. And he's like, okay, here's the deposit. So I made a sizable deposit that I had no business making at that point, made the deposit. And uh, this must've been like a Friday because I remember waking up on Monday morning and like, what the hell did you do? (laughs) You don't know what this event's going to be. Did you tell your wife, did your wife know Did your wife know what you were doing? She knew. I told her. I've always been forthright with her and she's always believed in me. Bless her heart. Um, for better or worse. But, uh, yeah. So, so here's, here's the bad side of this. I, I promoted this event for, it must've been four to six months or so. I call the guy up. We're, we're like two weeks away from the event. I call the guy up and I'm like, Hey, we don't have a single person signed up for this event. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, nobody, not one registrant. And he's like, Oh man. He's like, that sucks. You're not going to get your deposit back though. <laughs> and I'm like, all right hold up. Will you work with me? So this guy had just bought this, uh, this, this cabin. It's like kind of like a compound. He just bought it. Yeah. He's trying to build it up. And I said, will you work with me? What if I just bump this out three or four months, keep my deposit, but just apply it to whatever I do in three to four months. He's like, that's fine. It's the season in three to four months. So it'll be a little bit more expensive, but I'll take your deposit and I'll apply it. I went back to the drawing board, figured it out, figured out actually what I wanted to do, learned how to market it. And we had 20 guys attend that event, our second try. We call ourselves the terrible 20 still to this day. I'm in contact with most of them today. And that was the launch of our events. Now we have three different events that we run, father-son events, large events, small, those type uprising events like that first one. And we just- How many events a year are you doing now, live events? 
uh, t- two to three. We Has just moved it, here to Maine, so it's well. That's what I, I. That's the next question, Ryan. So, so you went from Southern Utah, and you basically packed the entire family up and yeah. moved cross country to Maine. And the the it's it's almost like this this when I saw because you had posted about this on on social media, and I yeah. was so excited and happy for you because it was like you had the barn, you had the house, you had the property. And it just was like, it all sort of just like kind of came together. And so talk a little bit about why you decided to move the family to Maine. Was it for that specific property? Were you just tired of Utah? What, what was, how did this happen? My, my wife and I had, had for years been talking about just an adventure, you know, and, and we were in the position where we had the means and the mobility to be able to do it. And we thought to ourselves, there's no better time than now. The longer we wait, our kids are going to be more ingrained in school and sports and girlfriends and boyfriends and everything else. And we thought if we're going to do it, now's the time to do it. I came out here, uh, this was December. I, I, won't, I can't even remember the dates, but it was, it was a couple years ago. I think it was two years ago. I came out, fell in love with it. My wife and I came back out or another friend invited us back out here. We came back out in the dead of winter and, uh, she got a real estate agent. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, we can look. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. So we spent three days looking at, you know, a dozen or so different places. And we drove down the road and we saw this house that, that we ended up purchasing. And she's like, that's the, I want that house. I'm like, do you want to go like look at it? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, probably we ought to go look at it. So we went in and we just immediately fell in love with it. We put an offer in on it that day. This was the second time I'd ever been to Maine. The first time she'd ever been to Maine. And I've always believed in myself. I mean, that's what it, that's what it comes yeah. down to. It, you know, and, and we thought to ourselves, worst case scenario, we come out here, we have two cold, miserable, lonely years, but we do it together as a family. And then we move home. But best case scenario, we actually don't know. We don't know what it's going to present. And so we came out here and we've done a little bit of remodeling in the house. The house was in great condition. We've got 50 acres. We've got the barn. I'm like, this is the perfect property to run events. I don't have to put deposits on anybody else's place. It's all right here. I keep them here. We're housed here. We run the events off the property. Man, it's amazing. And I would have known if I would have been too scared or, and here's what I hear from a lot of people. Oh, well, you know, like, I really wish I could do that, but I'm like, you don't think I had those reasons? Like my wife and I bought her grandfather's home, the home that we were married at, the home her brother was married at, the home her parents were married at. My kids were ingrained in school. My wife's only lived in that Valley. I had friends. I mean, we had all those excuses too. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet we sacrificed those to see what was possible. What was the scariest decision that, that you've had to make over the, the past, I would say, five years went since you've started this whole you know, journey? Selling my financial planning practice was rough because I liked the business. I took an immense value and, and pride in what I was doing for my clients. And I also had residual income. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I, when I sold it, I had not yet replaced my income with this business. And I walked away from multiple six figures of residual income Mm -hmm. that I didn't have to work for anymore. Like it was just coming in and I sold it away to somebody, to a a close friend of mine. I had a lot of confidence in, um, that was scary as hell, man. Because what was the, what is the worst decision that you've made in terms of 
you know, you've made some good ones, but, but you've also made some bad ones. What would you say has been one of the, the, the mistakes that you've made along, along this journey the past five years? Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say reckless. I, I wouldn't say that because I am calculated, but I am somebody who is just do it and then you'll figure it out along the way. So I've paid a lot of tuition by doing that. I'm the same exact way. Yeah. I, but, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't learn, learn from uh, other people's mistakes. I've got I've to get in there and, and uh, screw it up myself, right? For sure. But you know what? And, and, but that's the right word is tuition because yep. it is an investment. And you don't have to make the tuition payments. Like I'm not saying you have to do it, it's, but it is part of the deal. And, and I've, I've bought shirts that I can't sell and I put deposits on events and venues that I end up pulling the plug or we can't get anybody to come to. Um, I invest in equipment probably a little sooner than I should have invested. So I paid a lot financially for those decisions, but I can't say that I've paid a lot for them because what I've received and what I've earned far surpasses anything that I've ever, any tuition payment I've ever paid. Absolutely. So, so wrapping up here, Ryan, I, I just have a few more questions for you. Somebody's out there listening to this. They're feeling a little bit, maybe melancholy, a little bit stuck. Maybe they're feeling like they just, they're, they're missing something. What is a step, an actionable step that somebody can take in order to sort of find and, and pivot and, and find sort of maybe a new direction or, um, you know, maybe, maybe level up their ability to be more, more of a man in their in their community, their, their relationship. What is an actionable step that somebody can take? I'll tell you the best thing that anybody can do is to incorporate a daily, uh, strategy session with themselves. So every single morning, mine, mine's over there. I've got a planner that I use and every single morning I have a list of everything that needs to get done for the day, what the priorities are. So that's all my, my task list. I have a list of my non-negotiables, the things that get done without fail every single day. I've got people that I'm going to call. I coordinate that with my calendar. So I know exactly when I'm going to call these individuals. I know exactly how I'm going to follow up and who I'm going to follow up with. And I have a very deliberate and intentional schedule every single day. And then I have a process for reviewing that at the end of the day. What did you get done? What didn't you get done? And what are you going to do tomorrow? So you start planning tomorrow, today. If you string enough of those days together like that, you, it would not be possible for you not to succeed. You, you will succeed if you string intentionality with a system. It's going to happen. Inevitably, it's going to happen. What about an entrepreneur? Somebody out there who is, is, is thinking about starting a business, maybe has started a business. What is your number one or two or whatever it may be? Um, piece of business advice for somebody who is, is starting a business. What would you tell them? The first thing I would say, well, I'll tell you with just with a quick little story. I sat down with a friend of mine years ago as I was considering starting Order of Man. And I told him, I said, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm not going to make a decision about whether to continue or to throw in the towel for two years. I'm not making any decisions. I mean, I'm going to pivot and grow and evolve and learn, but I'm not deciding if this is a thing or if this is not a thing for at least two years. I've done over... It's probably upwards of 500 podcasts at this point. We started with one show a week. Then we went to two shows a week. Now we're at three shows a week. And I have not missed a single podcast episode, not one in five and a half years. 
barring my death, it will continue to go that way. The reason I bring that up is because with all of my shortcomings and inadequacies and all the things I've needed to learn, if there's one thing I've done very, very well, it's hyper consistency. I think you would attest to that too, when it comes to YouTube and everything. And you, I go back to my first podcast or my very first YouTube video and I'm like, but i love it and it's still up there because i earned it right yep and and you get better by just doing it you just do it enough and people will say oh you're ryan and you get this i'm sure with your personality and the way you communicate oh you're so good at this you're such a natural i'm not go back and watch (laughs) it's exactly it's a muscle you gotta you gotta build it you gotta work at it right yes and my thought has been man if i'm not if people compliment me with that, I, I accept that. I embrace that compliment. I, I, I accept it. And at the same time, I think, yeah, I've also like earned a lot of it. There's one more thing I just want to ask you before we wrap up. And it was about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I notice about you as opposed to most people is that you are super engaged with your, I wouldn't say super engaged, but you routinely will respond to negative criticism and you do it publicly. And so why, 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 why do you feel that it's a good idea to acknowledge and give a platform to the people that are saying things that are against your, your, your calling, if it would be. One, one thing I, I will say that I make sure that I do is when I share that, like maybe I take a screenshot. I think this is probably what you're referring to, you know, like mm-hmm. a screenshot of somebody, yep. something said, yep. is one thing I do is I cross their name out because it's not about that person individually. And my job, I'm not calling that person out and I'm not sending my people after that person. Mm-hmm. That's not the point of that for me. Yeah. And so people will say that. Why do you oh, just ignore the hate? guys, it's not for that person. I don't do it yeah. for that person. I do it for everybody else who's ever heard some asshole tell them that they're not good enough or they're stupid or that's a dumb idea. It's not about the hater. Hater, I, I don't even like that term, yeah. but I'm using that because people know what that is. <laughs> sure. It's about everybody else who has dealt with it and not been either bold enough or confident enough to continue in their course of action. And when they see me or anybody else who stands firm in the face of ridicule or mockery or whatever it might be, I hope that it inspires them enough to stay their course and they will continue to drive on in spite of getting negative and, 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 and hateful comments, those type of things. So it's for the people who would see it, not for the person I'm responding to. I love that. I love that so much. Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, the podcast is a great place. You're listening to a podcast. So we've got the Order of Man podcast. And then we've got uh, a course available. It's a free email course. You can check that out at orderofman.com slash battle ready. And then Instagram at Ryan Mickler. Those are the three places. Ryan, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. And congratulations on what you've done. There, I've met a lot of people over the course of the, you know, the time that I've been doing this. And I honestly, you are probably number one or number two in terms of just somebody who has taken an idea and I, and, and just to, to watch it just grow and blossom and sort of explode. Um, you know, it's just a real testament to you, your mission 
and the fact that you work fucking hard. And, um, and quite frankly, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's amazing to watch and, and I continue to be excited for you and, and where you're going to take it next. So congratulations and, and well done because, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's definitely fun, not, it's easy. not easy. It's not well, exactly I say one thing too. And, and I meant to start out with this, but I, I got to tell you, man, I really, really appreciate your support when I started because there wasn't any reason for you to support me. There wasn't any reason for you to believe I'd, I'd do what we've been able to do. Um, and yet you were so gracious and supporting me and sharing what we were doing with your audience. That was a risk for you because you didn't know me. You didn't know what I was all about. You didn't know if I'd stick around or what information I'd put out there. And so that, that level of... Um, value and giving that the general, I'd say generosity, that level of generosity that you had is, has been, has always been on my mind. And I, I, I really, really appreciate what you did for me. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you so much, brother. Thanks brother. Gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, I appreciate your support. Once again, if you found this episode or any of the content I've put out in the past helpful, please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to this on. Once again, every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. And if you're looking to upgrade your sunglass game, don't forget to check out Enemy.com. Honestly, the quality of these glasses for the price is insane. Just read the reviews. Gentlemen, stay awesome.